0: This message is presented by Pastor Chuck Wilson. Okay, so we started chapter 8 last week, Daniel chapter 8, but I just, well last time, but I just did a little short kind of intro because this part is longer and more intense, but I was kind of setting this up. Uh, My name is Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church. We're working through the book of Daniel right now, then we're going to fly into the book of Revelation. The title for today is Big Brother is Watching You. (laughs) You all, uh, Most of you remember that book. Daniel 8, 9 through 14, and 23 to 27. It might be a good time to hit the pause button and go get your Bibles and turn to Daniel chapter 8. Okay, we're back again. All right, so, Big Brothers Watching You, the coronavirus crisis has shown us how quickly it can all change. It's shown us how easy it is to manipulate the masses and control the masses, just like 1984, right? It is also exposed how spiritually damaged our next generation is, that we have a godless, easily brainwashed generation coming up. It reminds me of the Nazi youth. That's what it reminds me of, the Nazi youth, and how they were manipulated by Hitler and the Nazis. And we are now set up, even in America, especially in America, we can see that we are now set up for a charismatic worldwide dictator who will appear to solve the world's problems? He, in one of the problems that he's going to solve, according to the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, is us. That's right. He's going to solve the problem of the true Christians, not the fake ones, but the true Christians and the faithful Jews are the problem that he's going to have to solve. And when I say the The true Christians. I'm talking about those who truly are have put their faith in Jesus Christ. They're saved by faith in Christ. They are. They have a biblical worldview. Doesn't matter if they're Protestant, Roman Catholic. Doesn't matter if they're Methodist or or whatever denomination. Throw out any denomination. Presbyterian doesn't matter. There there are true Christians in every group, and that that the true Christians, the true remnant church is the one that's going to be persecuted by the false church within within the, the church in America. In every denomination, in every group, there's a false church and a true church. There's a, a worldly group and a remnant, a godly remnant. And the godly remnant is going to be brought together, but we're going to be joining hands and we're going to be hunted. Going to be hunted and going to be persecuted, as we're going to see here today. We're going to see this type of... Of the Antichrist, this this worldwide ruler, this monster really is what Daniel describes as man as a beast. We're gonna see a type of this monster in Daniel chapter 8. He's a prophetic picture of the future. There's an actual man that we're gonna see here in Daniel 8. That's only a couple hundred years ahead of Daniel, but he's a prophet this guy is a prophetic picture of the monster, the madman, the future madman, who'll be far worse. This is just a little view of what the real guy's gonna be like. And this future madman, one in the future from now, right now, not just Daniel's future, but the one in the future from now, the worldwide dictator, he will dominate. He will not just threaten Israel, but he will dominate the world and try to destroy Christianity. Let's pray. Father, we just pray that we would be prepared for what we're going to be facing. You're warning us. You're telling us. One of the ways we can be prepared is by putting our faith in Jesus Christ and truly finding salvation, being born again. As Jesus said, you must be born again. I pray that every person who hears these words today will be born again for sure. And then after we are for sure born again, that we would be prepared For what we're going to be facing in the end time as the second coming of your son Jesus Christ comes. We know what's happening. We can see it clearly in scripture. You've warned us over and over through Daniel, through your son Jesus Christ, through the apostle John. I pray that we would listen and be prepared because of your word. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here we go. Daniel 8. Daniel 8 picking it up with verse 9. Verse 9. Okay, it says, Out of one of them came another horn, which started small but grew in power to the south and to the east and toward the beautiful land. That's Israel. Okay. It grew until it reached the host of the heavens and it threw some of the starry host down to the earth and trampled on them. It set itself up to be as great as the prince of the host. It took away the daily sacrifice from him and the place of his sanctuary was brought low. Because of the rebellion, the host of the saints and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in everything it did, and the truth was thrown to the ground. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to him, How long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled, the vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, and the surrender of the sanctuary and of the host that will be trampled underfoot? He said to me, It will take two thousand three hundred evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary will be re consecrated. Then we'll go over to verse twenty three. In the latter part of their reign, when rebels had become completely wicked, a stern faced king, a master of intrigue, will arise, he will become very strong, but not by his own power, He will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy the mighty men and the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper and he will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. Yet he will be destroyed, but not by human power. The vision of the evening and the mornings that has been given to you is true, but seal up the vision for it concerns the distant future." I, Daniel, was exhausted and lay ill for several days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. Wait till you see what he saw. We're gonna we find out what he really saw in the book of Revelation. What we what he really, really saw. Now, this prophecy of Daniel, this vision that he has, was fulfilled historically in Antiochus Epiphanes. But it's also a type of the distant future. It's also a type of the Antichrist. The Antich- Antichus Epiphanes was a picture of the Antichrist. He was a type of that which will be fulfilled in the book of Revelation. Uh, not too distant future from us right now. This vision was given 350 years before Antichus Epiphanes and thousands of years before the Antichrist c- comes. It's still in the future for us. Verse 17, it says, For the time of the end. The time of the end. Now, Understand history and how this is fulfilled. <clears throat> the Greek Empire, Alexander the Great, the not so great empire. The Greek Empire was divided into four. Remember, and and one of the uh, Antiochus Epiphanes ends up inheriting. He inherits the Syrian. Empire. One of the four was Syria. He inherited that by murder. He murdered someone, got got a hold of it. And he ruled from 175 to 164 B.C. So he inherits this. uh, Further on, he inherits this by murdering somebody. He's an egomaniac. He minted coins when he was the king. And his coins said, Theos Epiphanes, God Manifest. Theos Epiphanes, God Manifest. That's why he ended up being called Antiochus. Epiphanes. Antichus Epiphanes, which is manifest, the idea that he considered himself a god. The Jews changed his name from Antichus Epiphanes. The nickname they gave him was Antiochus Epimenes. Epimenes is a, a little pun, little play on the words, but they sh- shifted it from manifest, Epiphanes to Epimenes, which is madman. So they call him Antiochus Mad, the madman, is what they call him. And it sounded very close. They could kind of slur, what'd you say? You know, the soldiers, what'd you say? Oh, Antiochus Epiphanes. Yeah, but they're really, they're really referring to him as Antiochus Epimenes. All right. He knew what they called him. He hated the Jews. The Antichrist, this is a picture of the Antichrist. Don't forget, he will also try to take God's Place. Verse 25, against the prince, against the prince. Revelation 13, 14 to 15, what says, Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Talk about the Antichrist there. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refuse to worship the image to be killed. So the, the um, false prophet is going to cause the Antichrist to be worshipped in the end times just before Jesus comes again. And whoever doesn't, well, we're going to see what happens to them, okay? Now, Syria, Antichus, Epiphanes and Syria are battling Egypt for Middle East supremacy. But and Israel is caught in the middle of this battle between Egypt and Syria. And in one hundred sixty-eight AD, uh, a uh, BC, BC, uh, in one hundred sixty, I, I wrote the wrong thing here. One hundred sixty-eight BC, Antiochus Epiphanes attacks Egypt. He attacks Egypt, and Rome steps in. Rome is the new emerging world power. Remember the statue. Remember the beast. Rome steps in and says to Antiochus Epiphanes, "Go home." <laughs> He puts him in his place. And in his frustration, Antiochus Epiphanes, in his frustration, takes it out on the beautiful land, on Israel. Through deceit, he seizes Jerusalem on the Sabbath. He knew that it would be; uh, they wouldn't be defending themselves on the Sabbath day. He uses deceit. He comes in and takes Jerusalem. He massacres 80,000 Jews, takes 40,000 prisoners as slaves. He hates the Jews. He hates them. <clears throat> God's people are always hated by Satan and those who follow Satan. In Titanicus okay, so Epiphanies, followed Satan. Satan seeks to destroy them. He just tried to destroy them here. He just tried to destroy them with Haman, which we will see in the book, which we see in the book of Esther. Haman. And also Hitler. There's another picture, but there are many. There are many Antichrists throughout history. Types of the Antichrist building up to the final ultimate Antichrist. We're going to see the Antichrist, the final one in the book of Revelation. We get there. He almost will accomplish destroying the Jews. Hitler did a lot, but nothing close to what the final Antichrist will do. There will only be a small remnant of Jews left alive when Jesus Christ comes again. And they will all turn to Jesus as the Messiah. Wait till we get the book of Revelation. But... Even worse, what this guy does, even worse than killing so many Jews, is he goes into the temple. Daniel says he goes into the temple. Now, this is a very interesting prophecy because when Daniel made this prophecy, there was no temple. There was no temple to go into. But he goes into the temple. So, he's even prophesying there's going to be another temple. And he talks about the Antiochus Epiphanes going into the temple. Uh, and he sets up an idol to Zeus an idol to Zeus. And in this idol for Zeus, he sacrifices a pig, a pig on the altar in the temple. And this became known as the abomination of desolation. The Abomina- abomination of desolation. He and What he's trying to do here is he's trying, we know from history, he tried to impose the Greek culture and religion in place of true worship. In place of true worship. He burned the Torah. He replaced the feasts. To God with feast to Bacchus, which was the God of pleasure, the God of pleasure. And Bacchus basically was known as anything goes, the God of pleasure. Sounds like the USA Today, doesn't it? The God of pleasure. In fact, in 1 Maccabee, in 1 Maccabee 1, 44 to 49, it says, um, let's see here, <clears throat> uh, 1, 4, I'll read this one. Says, And the king sent letters by messengers to Jerusalem and the cities of Judah. He directed them to follow customs strange to the land, to forbid burnt offerings and sacrifices and drink offerings in the sanctuary, to profane the Sabbaths and feasts, to defile the sanctuary and the priests, to build altars and sacred precincts and shrines for idols, to sacrifice swine and unclean animals, and to leave their sons uncircumcised. They were to make themselves abominable by everything unclean and profane so that they should forget the law and change all the ordinances. And whoever does not obey the command of the king shall die. Shall die. And he meant it. If a mother was found to have circumcised her son, what Antiochus Epiphanes had his soldiers do is they would kill that baby and they would tie a rope Attached that baby around the mother's neck, and she had to carry that rotting child around everywhere she went, so that people could see this baby rotting on hanging from her. That's the the evil, the demonic evil that this guy was. And this persecution lasted lasted two thousand three hundred uh, days, that's six years. Four months and 20 days, according to Daniel here. In 171 BC, Antiochus Epiphanes has the high priest murdered and replaced. That is finally too much. Judas Maccabee, that's where we get the Maccabees from. Judas Maccabee leads a revolt. He finally takes the temple back and he destroys the idol. He cleans you know, he, he takes it back. And, and... Antiochus Epiphanes hears about this revolt, in his mind a revolt. They're just restoring their kingdom, right? But he hears about this revolt and he gives a command to kill all the Jews in Jerusalem. He says, kill them all, kill them all. Ouch! He got a bad stomachache, bad stomach stomachache, uh, really bad stomachache. He ends up with an intestinal disease. He rots from the inside out. As soon as he gave that command, he began to rot from the inside out. He was stinking. He's on a boat at the time, sinking, stinking. Second Maccabees, uh, second Maccabees says here, I'm going to read this to you, nine, five to nine. But the all-seeing Lord, the God of Israel, struck him with an incurable and an invisible blow. As soon as he stopped speaking, kill the Jews. As soon as he stopped speaking, he was seized with a pain in his bowels for which there was no relief. And with sharp internal tortures, and that very justly, for he had tortured the bowels of others with many and strange inflictions. He he used a lot of torture methods um, in the bowels, and you know what that means. Uh, And so God struck his bowels with a very, very vicious disease. Yet he did not in any way stop insolence, but was even more filled with arrogance, Breathing fire in his rage against the Jews and giving orders to drive even faster. And so it came about that he fell out of his chariot. He finally got out of the boat, gets to the chariot. He's rushing to Jerusalem to make sure they're all killed. As it was rushing along and the fall was so hard as to torture every limb of his body. Thus he who only a little while before had thought in his superhuman arrogance that he could command the waves of the sea and had imagined that he could weigh the high mountains in a balance. Was brought down to earth and carried in a litter, making the power of God manifest to all. And so the, man, the ungodly man's body swarmed with worms. And while he was still living in anguish and pain, his flesh rotted away. And because of the stench, of the whole army felt revulsion at his decay. This is what God, how God handled the Antichrist, how He handled the picture of the Antichrist, Antiochus Epiphanes. And listen to what his last words were. Josephus actually records his last words. King Antiochus, some persons told him of the defeat of his commanders whom he had left behind to fight against Judea. He fell into a distemper, uh, told them that this distemper, this is the stomach and the worms and all, he finally at the very end told them that the distemper was severe on him and confessed that this calamity was sent upon him for the miseries that he had brought upon the Jewish nation while well, he plundered their temple and condemned their gods they're God. They're God. And when he had said this, he gave up his ghost. He recognized this was God's judgment on him. On him. Meanwhile, while he's being eaten by worms, back in Jerusalem, they're celebrating the first Hanukkah. Hanukkah is actually being, uh, uh, is actually being invented, really. Uh, listen to what happens in Hanukkah, back in Jerusalem. Judas the hammer who won the victory over Antiochus in the independence for his people. He he led them back to... to, Judas led them back to the temple to cleanse the temple. The first thing he wanted to do was find oil to light the lamps according to the tradition, the ceremony that would reconsecrate the temple and take eight days. But they only found one container of oil. He knew it didn't have enough to last for all of those eight days. The small amount of oil... They they said, well, well, let's just try to use it. And that small amount of oil lasted the entire eight days. It was a miracle. To this day, the Jewish people celebrate the Feast of Reconstruction and dedication of their temple. They call it the Feast of Hanukkah celebrated during our Christmas season. On the first day of Hanukkah, devout Jews light a candle. The second day, light another. And so on until after eight days, eight candles are burning. It's a sign of victory and deliverance, which goes right back to the book of Daniel. Right back to the book of Daniel here in chapter 8. All right? So, once again, we see a, a picture of the Antichrist uh, from this whole situation, what Antiochus Epiphanes did on a small scale, the, the ultimate alt, Antichrist will do in a big way, persecution, world control. It, he'll make peace with Israel. They'll think they're secure, but he will break it halfway through their, the seven years. He's going to break this. He also says it's not his own power here in Daniel. No, it was Satan's power. We know, uh, we know this is future, even though Daniel gave this, this, uh, prophecy and Antiochus Epiphanes fulfilled it partially. We know that it's still in the future. Some people say, no, no, it's, it's all done. It's all done. No, no. Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 24. In Matthew 24, 15 through 16. This is Jesus talking. So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, let, let, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So, wait a minute. If it was fulfilled by Antiochus Epiphanes, the abomination that causes desolation, how can it still be in the future? It's a double fulfillment. Understand prophecy, right? Antiochus Epiphanes was a partial fulfillment. The Ultimate fulfillment is going to come in the true end times through the Antichrist, okay? That was just step number one. Uh, The ultimate fulfillment will be the Antichrist. Today, when Daniel gave this prophecy, there was no temple. It was rebuilt, and then Antiochus Epiphanes came and desecrated it. Today, we're waiting for Jesus' fulfillment to come, and there's no temple. He says it's going to happen in the temple again. There is no temple. The temple will be rebuilt. Jesus said it. There's. I. I I hear these pastors even around here. They'll be like mocking the idea that the temple could be rebuilt. They'll say, "Well, I was in the Holy Land and I saw that temple." Can you believe there's people that actually think this is going to be rebuilt? Yeah, because Jesus said it. You know, and he's going to mock you someday for mocking his word. Mocking his word. Jesus said it will be rebuilt. There was. There is no temple in Jesus' day, and yet he says there's going to be an abomination that causes desolation. Jesus said the temple will be rebuilt, and I believe it's going to be soon. And when you see it happen, that's really the next really big part of the prophetic clock, the coming of Jesus Christ. When that happens, put on your seatbelts, get ready. Uh, The Antichrist is going to allow the temple to be rebuilt, kind of as a world peace and everything. He's going to allow it to be rebuilt, but he's also letting it be rebuilt so he can set up his own image and be worshipped. In there, look back at matthew twenty four listen to what he's going to do. It's going to be terrible uh the after he talks about the abomination that causes desolation, it's going to be hot. The Antichrist is going to persecute verse seventeen well I'm gonna read fifteen and sixteen, so when you see the standing in the holy place, temples rebuilt, and when you see it there, the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. This Antichrist is going to set up his own image in the temple, the future temple. Uh, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountain. Verse seventeen. Let no one let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for the pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now. As bad as it's ever been, as bad as it is right now, it's nothing compared to what it's going to be like under this guy. And never to be equaled again, if those days had not been cut short, no one would survive, but for the sake of the elect, Those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, there's the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. It's going to be a horrible time, a hot time, a time of persecution. It's going to make Antiochus' epiphanies look like nothing. It's going to make Antiochus look like an ant, all right? It's going to be Nothing. This monster, this Antichrist, may be alive today. And have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Because that's the only way you can avoid falling under his control. The whole world is going to be like zombies, one of these zombie movies. Everybody's a zombie. The only ones who won't be zombies are those who are born again, have put their faith in Jesus Christ, have given their life to him uh, that they're the only ones. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? The only way you're going to be able to see what's going on and, and understand what's going on. Watch out! Watch out! It says here in Matthew 24, watch out! Watch for! Watch for the Antichrist. Second Thessalonians 2, Second Thessalonians 2, 1 to 4 talks about this. Even if you, even if there's a pre-tribulation rapture, we're still going to see this guy. We're still going to see this guy. We're going to see his coming. And if there's a pre-trip rapture, as soon as we see him, we're going to be out of here. If there's not, we <laughs> going to have to ride the ride. Anyway, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy report or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Second Th- Thessalonians 2, 1-4, through verse 3. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worship, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Once again, some of these pastors are here saying there won't be a temple rebuilt. Woo! You are denying the word of God. You're denying not all over the word of God. Matthew 24. You're denying 2 Thessalonians 2. You are denying the Word of God. You are on dangerous ground. Dangerous ground. And so we see that we're going to see him and we're and look what he does. We're going to go to Revelation now. Revelation 13. Revelation 13, 16 to 18, where it says He also forced everyone, this is the Antichrist, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has wisdom, um, if anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast for it is a man's number. His number is six, six, six. A lot of talk about, you know, these, these chips. And all kinds of things they're going to do to make sure you don't have the coronavirus or your health or you're not a terrorist or all these different things. I wouldn't put any, I wouldn't let them stamp anything on me or inject anything to me because this it's coming. This the mark of the beast. We don't know exactly what it's going to be, but it's the mark of the beast. we got to be very, very careful. It, this guy is going to be an amazing leader. He's going to solve climate change, which isn't hard because it's not even real. All right, study his study history and the 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 ice the ice that is melting in the the South Pole and North Pole. They're finding rainforests under them. So obviously uh, there there's been climate change throughout history. I'm not saying that we should pollute. No, no. Christians shouldn't pollute. We should be the first to take good care of the earth. But we shouldn't fall to the media's climate change nonsense. Lies. They're just trying to control us. Another way of controlling, just like they've done with this coronavirus, uh, which which was serious. We should have been careful. But now that we know it's no different than the flu, now we're just being controlled. It's a mind control thing. It's a game they're playing with us. We can see that. Anybody with any kind of eyesight can see that. Don't buy the lie. Uh, But the He's gonna solve this so called climate change problem. Uh, once again, we shouldn't pollute. All for that. But what they're doing is trying to change, the, you know, overturn, uh, establish their own control over society. They're using this false premise for that and if you need more information i have lots of good uh scientific proof for that all right uh, the energy, energy crisis world peace even the israel problem he's going to solve it all he will also be uh, uh, possess these amazing powers why because he's possessed he's possessed not just demonically possessed like a lot of people out there today but he's going to be possessed by satan the 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 prince of demons himself, by Satan, he's going to be possessed by Satan. Satan is already softening up the world by with many types of the Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist is already out there, alive and well, softening us up through all kinds of different ways. He's weakening the church through apostasy, which we saw Second Thessalonians two one to four, the rebellion or the apostasy. The word means the same thing. He's softening us up for this apostasy. Even the evangelical church is apostate. Uh, it's just it's you've heard if. You've been following my whole study, you know what's happened to the church uh, It's unbelievable second John one seven says many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming to the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. so these spirits that are moving in these these false teachers and false prophets and and, and antichrist junior antichrist it 's all the same spirit preparing the way for the ultimate antichrist and we, the world is being conditioned to worship this antichrist to worship this this god this this satanic man like Jesus was God, man, this is a demonic man, and we see this with celebrity worship and athletes worshiped and, and blindly following our leaders like we 've seen with this whole coronavirus crisis, people blindly following lie after lie and and we, we see them being prepared, conditioned to follow the Antichrist. but and here it is, God is still in control. This is all prophesied. This is all part of God's purpose. It has a purpose. Second Peter, second Peter second uh, Peter 4, 12, 12 gives us the purpose of why God is going to allow this. Dear friends. First Peter four twelve, <clears throat> dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you reparticipate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian. Do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Now, here we go. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. I'm going to read that again. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Woo! memorize that one, study that one, lock in on that one. What is the purpose? What is God doing? Why is he judging his church? Revelation 19, Revelation 19, verse 7 says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. God is preparing a holy bride. He is separating the wheat from the chaff. He's pulling the weeds out from the wheat the wheat field. He is he's separating the sheep from the goats. That's why he's using this. The church is a mess. It's a, a false teaching apostate mess, and only persecution is going to separate the true Christians from the false ones. The true Christians from the false. And just as Daniel's prediction of uh, of uh, but God's purpose, just as Daniel's prediction of persecution and of b- b- persevering and of our victory was meant to strengthen our faith. It was meant to strengthen the faith of the Jews. I'm sorry. Just as it was meant to, the, the persecution and them persevering, persevering and the victory that he gave them was meant to prepare Israel for the first coming of Jesus Christ, God is going to use the same means just like he used in Daniel, we're going to see it in Revelation. He's going to prepare the true church for the second coming of Jesus Christ. He used persecution and Titus Epiphanies and the persecution to prepare God's people for the first coming of Jesus Christ. He's going to use the same method In the book of Revelation, before the second coming of Jesus Christ, he's going to use persecution to refine us and to teach us to persevere in his purpose to keep the faith because God is going to win. Jesus is going to win. Revelation 19, verse 11, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. And dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Are we connecting the dots here? Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is going to win. After his purposes are fulfilled, after he's separated the sheep from the goats, after he has pulled the weeds out of the wheat, after he has, has, has found his people that have fine linen and bright and clean, purified, ready for the, 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 the bride made ready for him, he's going to come back and he's going to wow. He's going to put things in order. Satan and the Antichrist, they're going to get it. Everybody who has worshipped the Antichrist is going to spend eternity in hell. Oh, it's going to be, wait till we see that in the book of Revelation. The key though, is are we ready for this battle? Are we worldly Christians? Are, are, we, are, we, or are we prepared spiritually? Are we preparing our children? Are we letting them be brainwashed by the world and the media and their schools? Or are we getting them ready? Are we teaching them how to witness for Jesus Christ? Have you put, and Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? If you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are a zombie. You are the walking dead. You are, you are ready to just be s- s- c- controlled completely by the Antichrist. Have, there's only one escape and that's putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Have you done that? Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you would bring this home to our hearts, that the Holy Spirit would take the word and really cut through and convict us and prepare us for what is coming. I know most people will ignore your word, but I know there's a remnant that's going to listen, that's going to be ready, that you are going to separate from the world, that you're going to take out of this world. Father, I pray that every person listening to this today would be one of that remnant. I pray that you would prepare us to separ- by helping us, by convicting us and separating us from the world now. Now. So that we're not part of it. And Father, I pray that anybody who's listening has never put their faith in Jesus, they would do that now. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? You can do that now. You can break Satan's control now. You can... You can go from being blind to seeing spiritually. Now, the God of this age who blinds the minds of unbelievers, you can break his power over you right now. The prayer of faith. Jesus, I put my faith in you. I repent of being worldly. I repent of sin. I turn away from that old life, that old self, the shame, the garbage. I turn away from that. I repent of that. I ask you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. What he did on that cross, how he died on that cross for my sin. He took my punishment. His blood washed me clean. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. I surrender my life to you, God. I want Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord. Father, I pray that every person hearing this would, would take that step of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, I want to encourage you to let somebody know because they'll be excited. You know, another Christian, family member, friend, church locals, ooh, someone, anybody, let somebody know right away. Because they'll, they'll be excited for you, but they'll also help you grow and really prepare for the spiritual battles that you're going to face now and in the future. And I also want to encourage you to wait till, you, wait till the next, when we hit chapter 9. Chapter 9 is going to get really intense, really wild, amazing prophecies fulfilled. It's going to shock you. The, chapter 9 of Daniel says to everybody in this world, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you just don't want to believe. Because the prophecies couldn't get any more clear, any more convicting, any more powerful. I dare anybody to listen to this next teaching of Daniel chapter 9 and and say Jesus is not the Son of God. I dare. I dare you. Wait till we come back next time.